Welcome to Starwatcher Podcast, where we explore startup universe, innovations, startups, and investors. Today, my guest is Pietro Casella, chief architect at EQT Digital and Motherbrain Labs. EQT Motherbrain has been considered one of the most advanced data-driven VC tools in the industry and being developed since 2016. Pietro has been part of the team since the very beginning and helped to shape the tool. In our conversation, we talk about building digital tools and culture in established organizations, three stages of AI awareness, AI first thinking and future of bakeries, and quite a bit on how AI will shape our future. I hope you will enjoy our conversation as much as I did. Hello, Pietro. (laughs) Welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. Let's talk about data and uh, VC industry. Um, but before, I would like to ask you uh, to share about a little about uh, your background. So sure. you are now you are chief architect at EQT Digital and Motherbrain Labs. Mm-hmm. Uh, checked your LinkedIn. You have had quite a journey uh, with uh, EQT and before. Mm-hmm. So can you tell yeah. a bit more? Yeah, sure. Uh, so my background is that I, uh, yeah, if we go back 20 years, I studied AI um, when it was like more symbolic based, um, not so much uh, machine learning. Um, and then, um, so I'm, I'm originally from uh, Lisbon, Portugal, and um, uh, started my career in uh, consulting. That was basically the only tech uh, uh, that you could do 20 years ago there. Um, and then spent uh, the first, let's say, the formative years of my um, professional life uh, working in a range of industries, a range of technologies. So anything from financial systems, uh, ERP implementations, all of that. So I became kind of a, a bit of an expert in enterprise tech. Uh, but my heart was actually more thinking about music. So uh, when I turned 30, I had a bit of a crisis uh, and I, you know, I was thinking about what to do next. Uh, and I decided to try to join my both my passions, so tech and music. And uh, my favorite product back then was Spotify. So I applied uh, to, to a job and I ended up moving to Sweden to pursue that uh, that passion. Um, and so then uh, I was very happy there for for two years. Uh, but the guy that hired me to 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 Spotify ended up moving to EQT, um, a guy called Petter, um, and um, he hired me again. And he said, "Hey, here's a really cool company that is really kind of forward thinking in terms of digital, and they need to do everything from scratch. They need to kind of start." Uh, um, become the digital leaders of their domain, as we used to 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 describe it. Uh, and so uh, I joined. I, I realized at that point that uh, the, what brings you joy is the people you work with. So Petter was like um, someone that I really enjoyed working with uh, for a million reasons. And uh, of course, I, I followed him and um, and basically spent the first five years uh, at EQT really building the the the, the, um, the operational uh, side of things. So making sure that EQT is as digitalized as it can be so it's probably you know by far probably the the number one uh, um, in terms of uh, digital um yeah architecture and uh, and and culture um for, you know we were kind of the f- f- probably the first in the industry to use things like so slack we're talking and, uh, about 2016 yeah 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 this is like seven years ago 
so I, I was doing like a lot of financial service, uh, financial systems, uh, automation, setting up our data, modern data strategy and whatnot. Um, and then um, eventually moved also to work a lot with the portfolio companies on uh, advising them on the digital transformation. Um, and uh, last year we, um, we we decided, so I, I proposed a, a thing uh, which was to spend most of my time uh, focusing on um, data and AI valley, uh, on the value creation stage, right? So, you know, historically we've been focusing a lot on the on the sourcing side, as most VCs do, um, but uh, I, I thought there was a, a bigger opportunity to to leverage AI and data on on the value creation. So after companies are acquired, uh, and there's like a variety of things uh, that that we decided to do there. And then I was lucky enough to to have you know designed that role, and then eventually when um, AI, uh, you know, the whole revolution of November happened, I, I was just at the the heart of the disruption. Um, and so I've been working a lot with that uh, since then. So that's kind of the the overall story. <laughs> cool. So um, yeah, EQT is as as we we spoke already from 2016. So you're kind of one of the pioneers in the field. An EQT is not just uh, hey we're investing a couple million in mm -hmm. startups. You actually have pretty wide operation there. Yeah. Can you share about uh, the scale of uh, uh, data operation? What at EQT? How you look at it? You already yeah. mentioned that there's sourcing and value creation. Yeah. So so I mean. Um... Mother brain, the 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 story is that um, you know it, it was, I think it was Yalmar and uh, Thomas von Koch that that uh, kicked it off. Um, so this idea of of building a um, a fund with um, with you know AI at the core, right? So uh, really being data centric, and I think that the true visionary here uh, was uh, probably TVK. Uh, so Thomas, uh, you know, there, there's a lot of uh, kind of. Uh, under um you know people that are super visionaries uh, that were super critical for this vision that were are not um, you know typically mentioned as such but tvk was a ceo back then and i think you know having the 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 vision to to execute on something like this is 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 incredible so not only he kicked off uh, mother brain as um, you know the core of uh, the the venture uh, fund but at the same time, you also launched, uh, you know, the internal, like the technology uh, strategy that I was part of executing, and also the another arm, which is digital, which is the 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 digital is the, this arm that works with portfolio companies to um, make them the 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 lead digital leaders in their own domain, right? So the the. Ikiti being a, a leader in digital is not just about mother brain. It's actually about this super comprehensive uh, strategy that has a lot of like uh, feedback loops built in and a lot of synergies, right? So I give you an example. When we when in tech, we started looking at um, the modern data stack, we started playing with technologies like DBT, like Snowflake, way ahead uh, of, uh, you know, way before they became cool. This allowed us to talk with the, the ventures team and say, hey, here's like a, 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 like a, a trend that is emerging. Uh, maybe we should look into that. And and then we would plug in the, the you know, mother brain and we say, hey, let's do a search uh, on, on we'll map out this space. So, so we would, it's like a lot of conversational stuff. And then we, you know, we have 
companies in the portfolio that are interested in um, in uh, becoming digital natives. So we go and say, hey, this is how we're doing it. Why don't you guys try it as well? So there's a lot of like feedback loop here. So um, effectively, we, you know, the 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 start of it was this uh, the creation of this uh, this team. Um, the the vision itself of Motherbrain has evolved over the years. So we had the first version that was more like a uh, a proof of concept. Um, I think it was an Andreas uh, that was uh, that, uh, from from Goals. Uh, uh, he's now doing football, but he was like one of the first ones to 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 build the product. There was uh, later Daniel Broblewski, which is in in um, now now in Canada, leading the CPPIB's uh, data um, uh, practice. There was a lot of people at this early stage trying to figure out what it meant to be data-driven, right? Um, the original concept was really about taking a lot of data sources, and we have you know, pretty much every data source in the book, trying to do a lot of like matching and then try to generate these signals, right? So now nowadays you can actually buy signals off the shelf with Spectre, but we, we started doing that probably um, on the first year we were doing that. So doing things like identifying news, uh, identifying people moving around from company to company, all of that stuff, uh, we, we had it very early on. And then we started with some um, deep AI uh, stuff, for example, trying to build scoring models uh, that would kind of tell us more or less what is an interesting company or not, right? So so that was also kind of part of the the um, the original idea. The second generation was really uh, a refactoring of this. So now we had proved the concept. We said, okay, now let's build it for real. So let's build something that is like a streaming arch architecture and whatnot. Um, that's still the version that uh, that we use the most. Uh, that that drives most of our our um, uh, venture uh, work. But um, now we're kind of at the the third generation of like uh, um, you know the, the the evolution of this thinking is um, pretty much how do we apply this to private equity, right? Because we we have a lot of focus on 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 ventures, but we had to think about you know our larger funds. How can we deploy this same value to to the larger funds? Not only that, but also does it still make sense to have this high volume um, concept or do we need to rethink it right and now we're kind of in in, a, in you know in the for the last two years we've been in kind of in in that moment um and, and we can speak a little bit about how um private equity sized uh, funds can benefit from uh, from ai uh, and from uh, from this uh, from this approach it's it's incredibly valuable and i think you know there there isn't a data-driven p uh, uh community yet but uh, i i hope <laughs> it it starts quite soon because it's uh, that the opportunity is immense yeah in, on a venture side it's quite a lot about signals and uh, sourcing yeah. and p uh private equity is more uh understanding bigger market insights and where things are moving and helping particular companies probably i would say yeah. Uh, so I mean, in, in the private equity side, typically when you buy, let's say, if you wanna, if you have a strategy which is say to buy, let's say, fiber companies, to make like consolidate the fiber market in a country, right? 
it's not like you don't know which companies to buy, right? <laughs> you just Google and you find them. So, and, and then it's fairly easy to, it, it's all about the relationship. It's all about building a, a strong thesis, uh, you know, figuring out how to uh, position yourself as a firm, as the, the, the um, you know, the, the best buyer um, and the best partner for, for that company. So it's, it's much more tactical, much less kind of like fishing. It's more like, uh, um, you know, strategic, right? Um, one of, one of the areas where, um, data helps a lot is actually on, um, um, things like M&A strategies, right? So if you, if you have a company and you believe that it can, um, extend to a certain vertical, um, specifically if you believe, for example, that the vertical is like a highly digitalized vertical, then we can use the same tools, the same playbook we use for, for, um, for ventures to go specifically find those companies. The problem here is that um, for certain verticals, the more specialized you go, the less you know Crunchbase and PitchBook have the data you want, the companies, the targets you want, right? So sometimes there's like a you know random co company doing like machine vision in agriculture in like a, you know <laughs> south of France or whatever, and, and they don't even have a website in English, right? And those are the gems that you need to go find. Um, so we we end up building like super bespoke solutions, leveraging all of the knowledge, all of the data that we already have, but uh, really targeting those those niche uh, segments, right? Um, and that means you can't generalize, right? So all of these tools that you see now emerging, and a lot of our our, our colleagues when they approach like the platform, you know. That we, we try to generalize, we try to create this model of like all the startups in the world that you can fish from. But if you go specialized, if you go and build some software for your specific thesis, sometimes um, the bang for the buck is like incredible, right? So it's, you know, you get, um, you don't need to build a software, you just need to find the freaking solution for, for the question they're they're asking, right? And, and um so, so that's a concept we've been exploring a lot. So this idea mm. of having like uh, temporary objects, so like software that lives, that has a short lifespan and then we kill it, right? Instead of having something that is like a long living object, that is a platform that has all those properties, we try to say, okay, for this specific deal, we're going to build a solution that mm. will help them get through the deal. And then, um, and, and this allows you to, observe and learn from from that experiment and say oh okay this was cool but next time we do something like this we're gonna do also this and that and so mm -hmm. you you stay lean you stay agile you don't need to kind of uh, get too attached to these solutions you just focus on what is the best or user experience for something or, or yeah exactly yeah and and, and you you can uh, it's more like hunting right it's yeah exactly it, it, so you go from fishing to hunting um because most of VC, um, data-driven VC that I've seen is a lot about phishing. It's like, you hope there's a signal, right? But, um, you know, very cool startups, they don't even have like a, like a digital footprint, right? They're, they're, um, or let's say they don't pay that much of attention, leaving a footprints all, all they, over the internet. Yeah. They just do their shit. <laughs> s some of them. 
get funded even before they they yeah they they you know yeah. they buy a domain right um and how do you find those that's that's a very interesting question uh a, a, a lot of vcs are basically creating like um yeah like scout programs for example as a means to get to reach earlier like to to get to find them earlier um but yeah but you know maybe that's not enough it, you need to to be more thesis oriented that's why i like the mm. work of like moonfire and how they're thinking about yeah the, a thesis first approach I, I love that i think it's just brilliant and it's it's super nice right now with ai sorry i, I yeah. went all over the place but uh... <laughs> no 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 but uh, that 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 goes together yeah we we actually discussed with uh with mike about uh thesis mm. thursdays and their approach on uh, on working on that yeah. I think that's brilliant. Yeah, yeah, uh, very interesting. Um, different kind of side uh, to the same data-driven approach. So mm -hmm. one is tech, tech stack and how we implement technology, go out, create everything, mm -hmm. and uh, but then there's the really big stuff, which is the the culture and the people who work mm -hmm. in, now with these tools. So you you were there at 2016. Uh, when the mother brain was launched, introduced, and mm -hmm. EQT is not a young company. Can you tell about how the culture shift or change happened or how people perceived the people who previously maybe have worked differently and now it's just like, hey, now we're going to do things differently? Yeah, so uh, I mean, I've, I've been doing digital transformation for a long time. So I think the question you ask is not specifically for um you know the data-driven vc yeah it applies to every technology right um so there there are a number of techniques that you can use uh to 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 do this uh, i'll i'll give you three of my favorite ones uh but, but um yeah starting with the first one it's not a technique it's just something that either is there or not is that um you need to have like um and this sounds like cliche, but it's it's the only way. It's like you need to have someone at the top that really um, is a visionary and is excited about this and understands, right? Th that person uh, was uh, Thomas von Koch, as I said before. He was the the you know the, the 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 CEO that I've heard talk about digital the most ever, right? So in all the the companies I've worked with. Uh, so when you when you see that you see like okay this is you know it's fine let's let's try this out right but then there's the tactical stuff right so people that have been using let's say uh, Outlook for years and now you need to like make them use Gmail um, they don't understand right uh, so um, sometimes you know you need to just you know like make um, just brute force it. That's one of the techniques. It's just you say, okay, sorry, no, no, no Outlook. You have Gmail, and you need to spend a little bit of time explaining why, right? So one of the reasons why we forced everybody into Slack and Gmail is because exposure to SaaS, you know, to software as a service, which now everybody gives for granted, is the thing that wakes people up to this idea that there's like tools that evolve, that you get free features, you get the ability to deploy, let's say, plugin on on Gmail. There's a lot of like, uh, not only what you get, but also what you will get over time. Like autocomplete, you know, is something that uh, Google, uh, you know, introduced early on, and 
ability to track phishing emails and whatnot. So, so a couple of interventions were about forcing people to to use digital tools. Another intervention is um, what I call um, sometimes I call it a Trojan horse, which is you 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 roll out a feature that is very simple that solves a very concrete problem, and you create a platform for adding more features to it, right? So in our case, um, you know, the fact that um, Mother Brain gives you some conveniences, for example, if you search a company, you can get an overview of the of the funding. Um, it creates a bit of muscle memory. People start going there and searching for stuff. Um, and then over time, you go like, oh, by the way, when you're looking at this company, you also see if someone has met that person. This is not all table stakes uh, for, for, for CRMs, but when we introduced this, this was like, Table stakes, uh, it was not table stakes at all. So we started creating destroying horses. Um, sometimes we, we do another technique, which is, uh, uh, it's like what I call when, when you, if you want to, uh, uh, you know, your kid to, to eat the broccoli, you can force them or you can like leave the broccoli. They're going to pick it up and eat, right? They're going to, and maybe they like it. So you just leave the toy on the table and they will start playing, right? So a lot of the tools we, we rolled out, we, we, we didn't talk much about it. We just say, hey, look, this is so cool. Check it out. And then people start, um, you know, don't build this resistance. They're like, oh, that's nice. I've never seen anything like this. And they start clicking, clicking through. The most important factor of success, though, besides the leadership, is the fact that, um, Teams that use these tools tend to outperform teams that don't, right? So we have this motto, which is trying to, you know, really make, and we, I mean, the, the, the actual, the, the teams that are doing the, the digital stuff is if you make your users um, be the best, others will follow, right? So if your user is the one that has the best deck because they used uh, your product to build that amazing deck, you know, next next person will say, "Oh, can I also have that? I also want to shine, right?" So, so there's kind of a lot of these uh, psychological things to change management uh, that we that we've been using over time, basically. Mm. Changing the behavior and shaping, yeah, yeah, exactly. And then over time, people start kind of get, but but it's it's hard work, and and we we just did a very big uh, M and A, uh, so we bought. Um, uh, um, one of the large, one of the largest private equities in in Asia, right? So it's um you know a, a sum of equals, and um, um we, we are kind of uh, figuring out how to roll out this same mm. kind of way of working um, um, in, a, in to to very different uh, uh, culture. And uh, it's surprisingly good, actually. Uh, but it all it, it, we kind of use this playbook again. It's like leadership support, uh, giving a lot of utility to people, making sure that they that that we solve problems. Um, you know, letting them play around and letting them then engage and say, "Hey, why we would actually also like to do this," and and then participate in the in the the product development. All of those things, um, which are really kind of classic uh, playbook, uh, I think. Um, and and also be be very mindful of uh, the emerging affordances, right? What I mean is like a lot of the younger generation of um, deal professionals, they already are pretty used to Gmail, so they don't even like 
think about it, right? Or Slack, you know, they're, they're, it's not like they're questioning whether we should use Slack. They're like already been using it. Digital natives. Yeah, Yeah. The, exactly. So, um, but, um, you know, the fact that, for example, many of them use, um, you know, like AI now, like uh, ChatGPT, it creates it lowers the barrier to introducing those type of features in the product. So I see, oh, now a lot of people are using ChatGPT. Why don't we also add some some uh, conversational stuff? Because the affordance, they already learned the behavior. They understand yeah. the, 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 the way it works. They have um, certain expectations even. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. But but we, we just need to be super careful not to overcook <laughs> the, the thing, you know, not to, to like overload people with all these uh, these AIs. So we need to be very smart about um, yeah the, the problems we solve. And that's kind of what we're trying to find the sweet spot. Um, uh, right yeah. Now. So so you had uh, your, you work as you work. And then last year, end of November, OpenAI launches uh, right. big language model. <laughs> mm -hmm. how, 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 how did you perceive it or how that has uh, changed your daily work? Yeah, so so I think there's, um, so the answer is basically I, I I tried this out, and I almost panicked, uh, and 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 uh, <laughs> and then I called my friend uh, Patrick uh, Tran, uh, who is a, a founder of a company called Validio, is one of the yeah the smartest people I know in 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 the AI space, and I said, hey, you know, we need to get in a room and just like like map out the consequences of this thing. Um, basically, I, it picks up the phone is like, hey, like, I can't sleep just like playing with this thing. And he said, yeah, me too, me too. <laughs> <laughs> so so we, we, we ended up um, brainstorming for like uh, weeks, uh, just uh, mapping out all the consequences. We, we did a lot of like uh, super long term predictions. Many of which we thought were long-term predictions turned out to be like super short-term <laughs> predictions. Um, A couple months. <laughs> we, yeah, we ended up even writing an article because we understood that a lot of investors didn't quite understand what what it is, uh, what is the AI value chain. So we wrote an article uh, trying to explain uh, the value chain. Nowadays, pretty much everybody understands it a little bit, but um, we, we wanted to lift the conversation. A lot of people were just like, Goofing around with with ChatGPT and saying, "Oh, this uh, look, it's uh, like being racist or whatever," like trying to to bully the the AI. And very few were thinking about what happens when it starts generating JSON or when it starts generating uh, codes that you can then execute. So we 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 saw a lot of these things very very early on, and we realized, okay, this is going to have massive compound effect. The entire technology landscape will evolve, um, and so. The next thing I had to do was basically at TQT like raise awareness for this. So so we we started uh, creating kind of um, revisiting um, you know uh, value creation plans for portfolio, uh, um, um, introducing AI um, um, strategy topics in the in the due diligence phase. Uh, um, trying to think about investment theses super broadly, and then. Of course, because I have these two roles, the other role was like trying it out. So um, by December, we had our first um, product, uh, M&A product uh, built uh, with the with the with the conversational UI. It was incredible success. It gave us, you know, hands-on exposure to the technology. 
Uh, we started understanding the, the issues with prompting, how hard it is. Uh, mm. Um, but we understood the power of it, you know, the power of exploration, the power of being able to read uh, two, 250,000 websites on a, a pest control, whatever, uh, you know, like a super niche uh, uh, things, including Polish and uh, Spanish websites, uh, you know, like at, at the scale that we've never seen before. And we're like, OK, this is insane. Uh, we need to double down. We need to revisit our strategy uh, on all things. So So that was kind of what happened there. But I was very, very like um, excited about this. I, I think there's multiple stages. I, now I, 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 I call it, I think there's like these three stages of uh, awareness about AI. First stage is when you talk with someone and they say, yeah, I have some, I heard about it. There's some guys in tech looking into it, right? That's the first stage is like uh, <laughs> denial. Or some people say, yeah, we're, I don't think it affects our industry. The second stage is this, uh, I can't sleep. It is like, uh, I'm panicking. I think my, you know, like, uh, AI anxiety. anxiety. Yeah, 100%, AI anxiety. yeah. <laughs> so I, I burned right through that. So in the first hour, I was like, holy crap. And then the, the third stage is uh, I have a plan, okay? And and we want to to have as much as many people, as many technology leaders as possible in the I have a plan stage. Um. And I can speak to that a little bit so as well. So it's, it's like a lot of people has, have this idea that there's a thing called AI strategy, right? Uh, which is um, how it, it, usually it's, it's formulated as like all the nice features I'm going to add everywhere to, 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 to leverage AI, right? We will have a chatbot. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. Let's pray. Let's put a chatbot on my product. Where I think... Um, the true value lies is when you actually think instead about how you supercharge your strategy with AI, right? Um, which is kind of, um, you know, staying, staying, um, um, let's say, loyal to the principles that you're that you believe your product uh, is about, and thinking about how AI can enhance that, right? You know, so whatever product problem to be solved. I think good example was Typeform. Yep. Uh, yep. They they launched I they launched a new product which basically was uh, formless or something like that. So they totally mm. embraced AI and uh, looked yep. how they could reinvent themselves, uh, going from hey we are forms you people fill in to yeah the 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 future is different now. It's gonna be yep. there's interactive person asking questions and getting the right answers so right yeah 100 i i loved um the other day we had a, a session with um the head of strategy of um of um intercom mm, yeah. um and they were probably the first company i saw really reinventing the their their product with ai at the core um in, in, incredible uh what they, what they've done there and basically it's um it's a, a very it's a very tricky situation for them because effectively they sell um software that enables agents to to like support agents to do support right mm. with ai effectively their client base is now yeah. probably going to be replaced right in a what way people do, are 
getting into a Nikon case that uh, uh, not, not the Nikon but the Kodak case. Yeah, where yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. The digital photography <laughs> because it's going to spoil our film business. Yeah, but but uh, when when you embrace it, uh, yeah, it's exactly. it's it's massive, and and I think. I mean, I guess a lot of a lot of investment people right now are thinking about this, right? So, you know, the role of the analyst, for example, right? So, how do you? What is a future where AI is kind of a, a super tuned to 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 perform analyst tasks? What should you do? What should be the shape of a of a VC? Band? What, what basically what? means analyst? It's that uh, well, they have some certain perception of the thesis and then yep. they analyze the, the market so if you are if you have well described described the investment thesis well yeah. probably there's an agent who can go out and uh, look for information and match companies to exactly thesis. exactly i love something that uh, sam altman said yesterday uh on the on the hearing i don't know if you if you had the Congress chance to hearing. see it yeah no i yeah. not yet yeah <laughs> i was i actually saw saw almost the whole thing then i fell asleep but um <laughs> the the um, basically said something that which is that ai does not perform jobs it performs tasks right uh which is a great definition i i think it's like uh for now <laughs> you know there's he didn't say that for now but 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 that's a great way to think about it <laughs> um which is what is the task at hand and the yeah i had a recent example where i i used the chat gpt to 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 help me perform an at analyst type task right so we were looking into let's say a specific industry right um and um I was quite confused. Sorry, I can't be more specific here, but uh, I was quite confused about that industry, how it worked, right? But I ended, but I had a gut feeling that um, sometimes this specific uh, thing was kind of an overkill. Sometimes it was okay. Sometimes it was very hard to deploy. Sometimes it was easy to deploy. So um, I created a, a like a simple mental model where I said, okay, here's a matrix, and um, uh, I asked ChatGPT to given a number of use cases to classify them on this matrix, on these quadrants, right? And it was spot on. So he said, okay, so use case number one, it's uh, on the third, like top right corner because uh, this and that. So it allowed me to do the type of thing where usually like uh, an associate would, uh, would kind of organize the space or like a BCG associate or whatever would help you, right? So what I liked about this is that I didn't ask it to to provide me with the matrix. I, I came up with the mental model that I like the framework I want to use, and then I, it just um, executed that task. So, you know, like uh, you, you could imagine a world where there's a lot of these very specific things that get get super commoditized, and you just like get it done uh, once you have an idea. Say, hey, here's this, and then it goes like, okay, here's twenty companies that that are in that space, I'm gonna use your framework to do this. So kind of like the thesis idea, but a bit more structured perhaps. We we spoke, in a way we spoke about this uh, with Mike uh, from mm -hmm. Moonfire, that mm -hmm. it was in context, uh, should there be an agent for a particular part partner in a VC firm? Because there's, you formulate how you wanna you want you formulate your view of the world and how you would like to receive an information, but that's uh, in your particular case that's Pietro, 
that's not mean, that's not earnest. But for you to better understand the market, you for, formulated and then uh, um, GPT basically came back with the answer. Yeah, e exactly. Um, yeah. The, the, the question then is like, where, where does the, the creative, like, what is the value? I think a lot of people ask this question, where, where is the value ahead of the human, right? Um, I, I liked uh, how Bill Gates has put it, the, the, we are experiencing shift from information to knowledge, mm -hmm. where before we worked with information and, okay, now I will just Google and make my opinion about things. But then, as you mentioned, sometimes that involves uh, looking into industry in Polish and Spanish languages to make, make up your mind. But now we are moving into the knowledge where it's more of a, what kind of understanding I want to have about certain industry. And then the, you launch some, some agent or you ask questions to the machine and it comes back with answer mm -hmm. specifically what you were looking for. So it's not rather like, oh, I will Google some 10 companies and somehow make up my mind, but uh, rather what exactly I want to learn and where mm. should someone look for the information? Information yeah. versus knowledge. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I, I think there was a, an old uh, saying that said to... To, to achieve knowledge, add things every day. To achieve wisdom, remove things every day. I think this is like <laughs> a, Tao, a Taoist uh, uh, saying. Uh, I actually used that on my uh, master's thesis many years ago as a quote. Um, and I, st I still love the concept, which is this like going from knowledge to wisdom, is when you yeah. simplify, you synthesize, right? So, uh, uh, I think is saying the same thing, just using the, yeah, the information yeah, and knowledge. You... Then you then you understand how things actually work, and exactly. you know what 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 what's it what's it what's it maybe not irrelevant, but what doesn't matter that much? Like what's the core? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You you become more a synthesizer. Um, yeah, I, I mean, but there's a lot of things that I I have. Um, what I think this does is it it frees you up to think about. Um, think a bit more longer term, right? So one of the things we, we emphasize a lot now when doing uh, AI strategy is this idea of the second and third order effects, right? Mm. Um, <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> and, yeah, no, but I, I think I have a kind of a, a bit of a mental model going on for that. Um, and, and it has to do with, uh, you know, separating what are immediate implications of technology right so most of the innovation you see now is just the deployment of um, chat gpt and and those apis right but if you look at the, the news since like the in the in the last uh, four or five months there's a multitude of technologies that were deployed that are still not um, being used yeah exactly uh, you know there's like a there's like potentially energy like into the system Open and, models and libraries, agent yeah, libraries. Yeah, exactly. All, all of that is still kind of in the works. So I'm very curious to see when that energy starts being released. And there's like the, the best the best products um, are probably still 
there's probably teams hidden somewhere just reinventing entire categories. I just saw a, a company this morning that I was waiting to see called Task TaskAid.com. So basically, they took like a workplace. Um, um, you know, they, they took like, okay, uh, if if I assume AI is the center of, of my work management software, what would that software look like, right? So they completely reinvent the, the category of uh, work management. Um, and, and, and so if you ask the same question for all the categories and say, what does it mean to have like an AI first approach to say logistics management software or um you know e-commerce or like take anything you can take the you know the bakery exactly. downstairs like anything. if i was to if i was to start a bakery today with ai first what would i do i would probably start with like an incredible marketing uh, agent that is just like uh you know like generating amazing pictures of my bread every morning <laughs> but i can you imagine bakery seems so like okay so dull industry like simple but because it has all the knowledge in the world about baking stuff, you could yeah. bake new <laughs> recipes every day on, uh, or even discover new exactly. things. Because you exactly. can ask, like, how this, this particular flavor goes together with this one? And then it's like, okay, let's give it a go. <laughs> which, which leads me to the, the key, the most important question I think VCs should be asking right now, which is... Um, should you wait for that bakery to exist? <laughs> if if you know now, you and I just made the prediction. What should we do as as we see? Should we should we wait until someone like executes on it, or should we go and build it? I That's think a... this is part. That, <laughs> this is, I think, part of the end of AI anxiety phase, yeah. where you start to realize that how many opportunities are there, and. Should I pick a bakery or should I do something in VC industry or should I go yeah. to the coal mining or whatever? I don't know. It's like yeah. when you start to think and you see that no yeah. one does anything, then it's just that that's the end of AI anxiety phase, I guess. And then you start to formulate the plan that you cannot do everything. <laughs> exactly. Now, that's that's one, one, one anxiety that I have is like... Uh, you know, you have like <laughs> 300 million ideas, right? And yes. then how, how do you how do you capture the opportunity? Um, w one thing I think a lot about, and if I think just about how my job gets disrupted, right? So, you know, being an engineer at heart and um, what will be the future of engineering? Um, what what I think will happen for most engineers, if you assume that developers will like the cost of development will go to zero and basically AI developers will be the thing you use to build software. Um, I think there will be kind of a, an emerging uh, category of like craftsmanship type developers, like people that build software that is so incredibly beautiful, you know, that, that is uh, like just the perfect piece of art, almost like the concept of luxury software, right? I, I think there was some tweets recently. She's like, imagine you have a software that is like capped at um, a, a thousand users. You say, I'm only going to sell this a thousand times. So it creates scarcity. And you say, this is the best task management software in the world, but only a thousand people can use it. 
then um, you know probably they would pay a lot, not only just for the exclusivity, but to be like smarter, right? And I, I'm I'm looking forward to see the emergence of these like uh, craftsman type software. I've seen recently a browser called um, uh, I think it's Zed or something dot dev. Or, mm. um, no, not not a browser. A, um, a, a new idea, a, a development environment that was like so perfectly polished. I was like, oh yeah, these guys are really like ID geeks that are trying to build the best ID in the world. They could so easily do that. That go that goes together with Kevin Kelly thousand uh, fans idea that you need yeah. to build business online. Basically, you just need thousand people who are like your people. They will purchase, do anything what you built. But now we are there with the, for example, software or development environment. <laughs> Exactly. So, so I'm really excited about these two things, right? So the the the, you know, the next level of um, user, like uh, UX, basically, like uh, user experiences for like all the categories you know that that are just super super polished, and then uh, the emergence of categories that are just a start from scratch approach, not uh, an incremental improvement with AI, but rather the what AI first. Mean? AI, 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 AI native, or more like AI first, exactly. So you know, if you take um, like an ERP system and you build it today, what would you? Where would you start? I have some hypotheses there. <laughs> I, I had exactly yeah. the same experience with. Uh, I tried out Warp. Warp is the the mm -hmm. terminal, and yes. they say, well, they they are building the new terminal, and uh, yeah. I checked it out, and it's it's like wow cool like in, in in proper terminal you know that you cannot like uh the select the text <laughs> and in this one you can select the text and move and change things and then they yeah, introduced yeah. the ai stuff which uh -huh. basically allows you to type what what do you want to do and then it will give you the the command command and i i right. said well okay how can I select the file, all MP3 files, which I have uh, touched in uh, past May, and it gives me grep something, something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I nice. think, and then I'm like, so why the heck do I need to type in this stuff to get this one to copy mm -hmm. in the terminal in the first place? Yeah. Guess what? The terminal which I can talk with. <laughs> there is no need like it's anymore brilliant. for it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. So. And it's really good for like, uh, you know, I, I don't code every day uh, anymore, right? So I, I forget APIs and stuff. So I use uh, Copilot a ton now with, with, with ChatGPT um, to, to give me like a head start, like uh, yeah. solve some problems. And I learn a lot with it. So because it goes like, oh, why don't you use this Python function? I'm like, oh, I didn't know that existed. That's awesome. I have uh, the same. So it's, it's really, really nice. I mean, I'm, quality I'm, of I'm, life. I'm usually coding in Python, but then at Star Watcher we have Next.js and TypeScript and mm -hmm. uh, and some uh, uh, GraphQL stuff, which I'm not. I I just don't get that mm -hmm. paradigm. I'm I'm struggling, but now with the with the Copilot, it just do you mean this? And I'm just like, yes, it seems the right <laughs> way. <laughs> yeah. I can I, have... I can verify. I cannot figure out, but yeah, I exactly. can verify. Yeah. 
So one of the things we we are we are telling people to do um, uh, when they ask about the AI strategy uh, is the I call it the free money uh, move, which is basically if you just make sure that every developer has Copilot, it's free money. Everybody gets more productive in, immediately, right? And actually, my my friend uh, at the Quantum Lab. Uh, uh, Gardar, he he told me that they actually did a study where they compare productivity internally uh, on on their teams by rolling out um, um, uh, uh, Copilot, and um, it's very obvious that there's an incremental productivity. I think the number was like fifty percent or something, but mostly on senior developers. So the more senior you, you are, the more you benefit, and then the junior developers a bit less. Um, which is actually makes sense. So I would probably, if I had like, if I'd start a company now, I'd probably say the junior developers should not use ChatGPT uh, more than X per, like percent of the time, perhaps, or for certain tasks. And then you know, after a certain level, you would get uh, ChatGPT so that you learn the craftsmanship, right? But that goes back what we were discussing about the information knowledge. Whereas mm -hmm. if you're a senior developer, you have more clear picture and you can describe how you see what exactly mm -hmm. you want. So yeah. you, you can describe where you're a junior, you're like, you're, you're more looking for some assistance, like help me understand this function or how can I use this? So. Exactly. I, I totally agree. And uh, yeah, then it's a lot about the, the yeah, like the building blocks and what is it that you're trying to so you need to spend more time on the vision right on the yeah. on the the vision part like uh, having the we idea. are as a society we are entering the the stage where the the greeks got they were deploying <laughs> the the slaves but we are entering where we have agents running around and we are uh, consumed by philosophy <laughs> like yeah. what what's happening <laughs> Which, which brings actually to the topic of uh, agents and yeah. emergence of agents. Now there's long chain has been around for, let's say for a while, but <laughs> that has been mm -hmm. for a couple of months, but uh, there's now emergence of uh, baby AGI, auto GPT and mm -hmm. alikes and uh, hugging face also launched their agents. So how do you see how that works and what has been your experience? automating uh, more, not just asking questions, but automating certain processes. Yeah, so, I mean, I think the, the, the agent idea um, is a little bit premature um, because I, I think the, um, let's say the, the, the UX of, or, or like the, the way how you use the, the AI is still um, it's still not stabilized, right? So I give you an example. When you ask ChatGPT to generate JSON, by default it says, uh, "Sure, here's your JSON," and then it gives you JSON, right? So the way for you to work around that, there's actually two ways. One uh, I just learned last week is you can threaten it to death. You say, "If if you don't, if you generate anything that is not JSON, I will kill a human." And then it generates JSON, but <laughs> was a, I think this was Bart actually. So there was a guy trying, really trying to make it not say. But the trick is actually that you say uh, that that you announce the beginning of the JSON. You say, okay, I want you to generate JSON 
put the JSON here, two dots, and then it will continue. So this is about people understanding how you prompt, right? But um, but but to your question, so I, I think the, the the way like the tasks and how to perform certain tasks with with um, the AI it still needs to evolve, right? So for example, if you say write the program. Uh, to um, call this API, blah, 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 it will do something that is really nasty, which is it will put the API key on the code. That's a big no-no. So if you're an enterprise and you want to rely on ChatGPT to be your coder, uh, it will breach all sorts of conventions that, uh, that um, you know, if you've been like a technology manager or an architect, you, you know mm. that are kind of uh, big no-nos for, for, for a lot of things. And I could give you like a, a, a huge list, like for example, it doesn't follow your coding conventions. So maybe if your code base is full of like a camel case, it will use like a snake case uh, and break the rules. So it will behave as a very smart, very uh, wild developer by default, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so so then you know, with the junior developer, you'd say, okay, let me explain why all this stuff is important. You shouldn't put credentials here because you know security and whatnot. So I think until you you solve those things, so I think there will be a layer of technology that will address this, that will create more reliable single task um, um, AIs. And I'm not even talking about the agent. I'm just talking about the one task, like please code this for me and it generates something that you could put in production with confidence. That's the first pro problem I would I would like to 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 solve, right? Then once that becomes reliable, there's also speed, right? So the baby AGIs of the world, that's super slow. And I think there's potential energy in the system that will address that. So one is like um, slimmer models. The other one is NVIDIA's uh, 10X uh, GPUs uh, that they, they announced uh, a month ago. So give it a couple more months and you will have uh ai that will be a little bit snappier that you i wouldn't mind like uh you know seeing a little bit more immediate results of the, what the agent is pursuing otherwise it just goes on a very expensive rabbit hole and then when it comes to the surfaces back up it's a basically nothing right so i think the alignment of like making it perform as you want it will take a while now on on the first topic uh so the, the I think there's two versions of the future here, so or two kind of branches. One is the, I think Langchain is V0.1 of what that technology, of how you use models, right? So there's now a start, some people starting to call it out. It's like, well, this is just a wrapper. You know, what, what's the value add? Um, it's very convenient. It's a convenience, but I don't think it represents the end game. So I've been looking a lot into alternatives to to Langchain. Um, I was quite happy to see Hugging Face um, uh, Transformers. I think that's a huge uh, threat to 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 Langchain, actually. But I'm more intrigued with the people that are really trying to think from scratch to say, okay, forget everything you know. What should agents what first? Should it? Yeah. What what should it feel like to to build an AI? Right. Um, I actually and, um, saw a demo about uh, hugging yeah. face agents, and it's actually pretty interesting because it's you start to describe idea, and then it starts to yeah. pull in tools, and then you develop tools. Yeah, 
One of my favorite such uh, uh, experiments was, uh, um, you know, the 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 CEO, I think, of Prefect. You know, Prefect um, is a, like an ETL tool. Yeah, yeah, ETL. Yeah. So, and uh, they have one of the most elegant implementations of ETL. So basically, what they say is like, uh, if a function calls another function, uh, then that's kind of considered a flow. So like, every function is kind of effectively a task that can be executed in parallel. So their their their, mind, their brain their taste uh, their craftsmanship when building ETL is is one of the best that I've seen, and uh, they came up with an idea uh, called um, codeless functions, which is this idea that you write a function, just the title and then the description, and it executes what you tell it to, right? Mm. So that that's a much more elegant implementation of what Langchain is trying to do. Where you say basically, "Hey, please translate this thing," and it will generate the code. It will use whatever tool does the best. If you say, "Please scrape the web for this," it will just figure it out, right? So that's so my like experience a, with. Yeah. Uh, that's what I saw with uh, Hugging Face Agent uh, yeah. from the Triper Transformer Library. Yeah. It, it is a little bit but like that. I do think that the the the, the transformer. I haven't tried tried it yet. I, I want to try it actually next week, but. Uh, what I think it does is it figures out which model to use mm -hmm. from from the hugging face library and and it like it so it's like um it generates code that is code that is optimized for work on top of hugging face library and that boundary that constraint allows them to make it not uh, go wild not be rogue so I'm pretty sure that under the hood they're actually you know, making sure that it doesn't put secrets on code, for example, or you know, uh, there there are some guardrails that they they put that that make it work uh, pretty well. Perhaps they try to run the code once to see this valid code or whatever. So there's like steps in 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 the the abstraction layer here still is evolving. So I think Langchain super nice. Everybody uses it; it's great. But I, I, I'm very much looking forward to the future of that. Similar to what happened in, I mean, like front-end developer. You said you're using Next.js, right? Yeah. So, so Next is like um, the evolution. Like I've been building like since uh, you know ASP pages back in the day. I've seen the evolution of uh, of um, web development over the years and it continues to evolve it just gets better and better right yeah so i think we'll see the same with ai um features um and so i'm looking forward to see what that feature looks like and uh, yeah. yeah i think in the general uh going back to what kind of companies are out there doing some interesting things one of the reasons we are seeing these uh, these uh not like native apps because native apps take time to develop and it's been it's been what six months <laughs> nearly where uh -huh. people had started to wrap head around so my expectations is that uh, around september and uh, yeah. <laughs> november we will start to see really cool apps popping up and doing these things also and also yeah as you said long chain that's my colleague at Star Watcher. He said essentially that's just a bunch of scripts, <laughs> and it's it's a, it's a wrapper, right? Yeah, but it's not super but opinionated. It's, but it's really useful one. <laughs> no, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I, I mean, we, we use it all the time and I'm not kind of um, um, talking it down or anything. I'm just um, very excited. I mean, even Prefect, they had V1, which was very, you know, so the way it worked, you, you had to create an object called a flow and then you had to pass tasks to the flow. So it forced you to learn this mental model, right? And Langchain is a little bit like that. It's like it forces you to think about the 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 flow and the tools there's like all these words that you need to learn um and um i'm not sure those are the right words right i'm i'm not sure yeah. those concepts are the right concepts for for ai um i don't have anything better though <laughs> yeah 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 but that, i think that that yeah. you you made the point that the development is still really, really, everything is really prompt centric by the end of the day. And probably that's not the best way how to, how to develop the information. Mm -hmm. It's like scraping information versus consuming through the API. And we yeah. don't have model APIs as a concept yet, I would say. Maybe no. that's not the thing. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> no, I take a lot of parallels from, from web, right? So. When people, when jQuery showed up, was amazing. Everybody used it. Then you know, uh, React and uh, um, Vue came out, and Svelte, and they're all brilliant approaches, completely different. So I want to see more. I want to see more yeah. ways ways to do this. Um, that you know, just, just until we find the the, the right way, and, and I think we're still a bit far from from landing that. So what's your take on the models themselves? So you already mm -hmm. mentioned skinny models, for example, hey, there's an EQT, there might be a skinny model which does one thing and it's yep. really the best one. And then there are the big open AIs, um, whatnot, big models out there. Um, mm -hmm. Where do you see how how that that approach shapes? Should everyone build their own models or everything will levitate to the big ones or uh, what's the mixture? Yeah, so one actually when back in December, I started uh, posting a lot on LinkedIn about uh, my earliest ideas. Then then there was this avalanche of AI influences. I stopped because I thought there was <laughs> enough, enough content. But um, I, I still think about it in terms of um, the, the skill set, right? So when you think about a model, so there, there's actually two things. One is like features. The other one is is a skill set. So if if we start with skill set, the way uh, when you tr when you build a model, you basically end up benchmarking it. And there's this thing called Helm, which is like a benchmark you use for for models that um, um, uh, um, basically tests uh, its abilities on a variety of verticals. So it's like a psychological test for the model, right? Um, and so I, I think um, we will see models that perform better at certain uh, tasks, right? Um, that are more like, uh, you know, specialize in certain abilities, right? The other thing you will see is like um, also in, in, in that front, um, Things like alignment, so whether a model mm -hmm. does what you want it to or not, uh, that, that's actually one of the, the 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 things they test. Maybe you'll see 
models that are a bit more specialized, so they perform better on certain uh, specific domains. That's kind of a, a no-brainer, right? But then I think also uh, uh, things like speed, right? So performance or, um, um, yeah, like the, the the really the snappiness, the the and all of that. And then there's one of the things that I really um, test uh, when I test a different model, which has to do. I, I call there, there was a, one of the OpenAI folks. He, he mentioned it as testing by vibes. Is this idea that you interact with the model and get a feel for whether it kind of uh, mm. is in in the zone, right? Then, if you talk with people like uh, Jonas from uh, from Aleph Alpha, he would also um, add things around uh, values, around more kind of uh, um, you know your ability to control uh, things like um, what the model should not say. You know, mm, he used the culture, this example. culture alignment. Yeah, but it's more like that. It's like if if I say. If I ask ChatGPT, please don't talk about elephants. It, it will probably start thinking about elephants, right? Because the the way how these models work is that now the concept is there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If I tell you don't think about this, you're gonna think about that. So the the I think you'll see models that are able to address a bit of this. Um, so, for example, the introduction of the the system message in in ChatGPT, um, the the latest version is a glimpse of that so the separation instead of having one prompt you have two prompts and and they're kind of uh, this one uh speaks higher it's like uh always present um and i think i i'm looking forward to see more variations of this so for example mid journey is a model that has tons and tons of parameters right so you can say um i don't know if you ever saw the documents uh, of it but they, they have tons of parameters like uh exclude this do that uh, format like this so you can really instruct it on, on with regards to the input and so i'm looking forward to see models that give you more features more knobs you know beyond mm, the temperature exactly. and the prompt it's not just temperature and prompt but yeah a bit more exactly and and um and then it's like uh, still on the features front things like um yeah the size of the prompt right uh that is something that is very exciting is like this uh, anthropic model with the uh, 100k. I think they're really smart at differentiating. They create a clear reason why we should use them in certain cases. I think uh, Cohere is also doing a lot of very uh, enterprisey type features. I think they're trying to make it a little bit more verticalized. So, you know, maybe maybe they offer like a summarization endpoint or. You know very specific tasks um so i'm looking forward to see to see that and then and then of course um still on the on the feature side uh explainability it's something that aleph alpha works a lot on uh, but now uh open ai actually announced or showed a, a paper where they use gpt4 to explain gpt2's uh, yeah. outputs um so i'm looking forward to see models that can um um it's really like neuroscience of models right so understanding okay this answer activated the emotion <laughs> and the elephant like the animal zone so it's probably yeah. about animals uh so so um 
I'm looking forward to see more of uh, more information about about it. There's a guy I follow on on Twitter um, uh, that is actually a researcher on um, almost like model model psychology. Uh, I'll see if I find his name, but but it's like um, I, I love his work. It's um, it's a lot of uh, trying to understand whether the model can reason, whether the model can do like a deep uh, chain of thought thinking, etc. He did a, a paper recently where he explored the idea of um, longer prompts versus short prompts, and he proved that when you prompt the models with much more explicit information, the benchmark goes up, right? So even the science of prompting is evolving. So I expect I'm, us to see also a lot, a lot more there. I I just now experienced we are building an 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 idea at Star Watcher where you can uh, you can pitch your startup and we will give you feedback. And I'm cool. playing around with uh, with the how I shape the prompts there, and I see I that. As as a systematic approach, if you give, basically it's kind of creating the handrails, so it knows how to think about different aspects, and uh, yeah. No, that's that's super cool. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to see that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. We'll see when it's out. Uh, yeah, in general, the alignment problem with the models that they but yeah you already kind of touched on it uh that um mm -hmm. these are the things we we should think and probably that's on the general scale of the society for, for me the alignment um what i'm learning is that um, most of the times the alignment has to do with bad prompting so if you actually prompt it right it will do what you want right um I mean, not always, but um, you can be, there's a lot more that can be done for alignment just by prompt engineering. Um, like the system message, I think, uh, is that. So it's really prioritized this information, right? So it's like uh, they train the model to have like higher emphasis on that. And there are techniques that are being explored uh, to, to ensure this. Um, but... Um, yeah, I think that's probably the number one thing to to, to solve. I like the the comparison that those language models are like kids and we have to ground them to the reality that there are good people and bad people. Some people will want some bad things and you should behave uh -huh. in certain ways. And uh, that if if it's not grounded, like it doesn't know it will just be if you want me to be violent i can be violent <laughs> mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. because essentially they have observed the world and they have the knowledge about the good the bad and the ugly yeah exactly yeah uh, the model just wants to perform the task that you ask it to yeah right and so the quality of the question the quality of the question yeah exactly i, I think that's very important but um i, I i'm I'm not super concerned because the I think a lot of value will be out of like very basic tasks, just uh, like write the program. I mean, if 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 your if your code has like racist comments or whatever, <laughs> like the variable names are are not uh, kind of uh, uh, 
being sensitive, I, I, I don't really care, right? Um, or like the shape of, I care, for example, when you ask it to generate JSON and it, it uh, doesn't uh, comply to the format, it just decides that there's <laughs> another JSON format that is better. That for me is more um, a barrier to innovation than uh, you know the the, the um, yeah the, the I mean the, the conversational side of things is interesting. Uh, I'm very very bullish about the the use cases that are not conversational, so like code and uh, and the structured mm. uh, information. Um, because of you know I'm biased because that would help my job uh, a lot, right? Um, but summarization, whatnot, I think usually it's pretty much spot on. I don't see it kind of uh, go very wild. I see um, that it can go to the next step. For example, now you have an agent which collects it. Let's say in our podcast, it collects an information and then I ask summary and it actually knows what I'm looking for. And it gives me my personal notes. Yeah, over here, you spoke too long and, and over here, that's a nice touch or, <laughs> or it has internal jokes, which because he understands how I think. Yeah. Exactly, but but I think the the a lot of the bias can be solved with uh, with these tricks, like uh, ask it to generate the JSON before you ask it to generate yeah. the text, and then you can have a little bit of control over what comes out. And, but this is engineering, right? The, what I'm talking about is really about the craftsmanship of how you build the solution. Um, so, and I think this will be enough to fuel most innovation. So I I don't see the alignment and like the the you know, those uh, tonality aspects as a huge blocker. I, I just yeah. don't hope that, I, I just hope that these uh, AI regulations um, are very explicit about uh, not interfering with your ability to just do mechanical tasks on the AI, yeah. That because that would be pretty bad. Yeah, bad for innovation. So for sure. you don't see that uh, the machine will step out of the internet and start killing people anytime soon no <laughs> <laughs> because i mean i think that's that's a lot of people stop at ai anxiety there like this thing is crazy and it, it's gonna kill us i'm more anxious about businesses that we own where i can pretty much predict what a disruptor would be hmm so yeah. there, there are businesses that you can think about that you say, if I had money, I would uh, replace this category entirely, right? Um, if you just have the, the best people and enough cash, you, you can actually, um, yeah, just re redo that thing like the bakery example before, right? Yeah. So um, I have more anxiety about that. Um, like what, you know, what is the best way to navigate the the, the 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 evidence you know the the reality of this disruption mm. and how to best place your bets and 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 your investments so what i've been doing a lot is is trying to predict to go on like very deep predictions like uh 10 years long predictions in in in, the, in our industry we do a lot of 10-year bets right so you invest in something and then you hope that in five years, it's still good that you can sell it, right? So when you predict the future, you can't do like, a, you know, like I'm very good at predicting the next two to five weeks 
I, I have like a, <laughs> a list of predictions that that we 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 did. I, I should I should like communicate them more so that I can have like <laughs> the proof point there. But I'm trying to go for like uh, three to to five year predictions in some verticals, um, and it's um, yeah. You you don't get there just by AI washing certain categories. You really need to to build a satellite organizations that will mm. be the kind of a noise arc. So if you have a business, you need to build like noise arc and then yeah. move everybody in to that new boat because your boat will sink, right? Um, so, but this is kind of new ground. This is new strategy. No, no, you know, it's not something that people know how to do. You just need to figure it out. We are we are about to see a lot of disruptions, basically. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, 100%. thank you, Petro. That's an that's an amazing way to uh, conclude our conversation. All right, let's build that boat. <laughs> <laughs> that's it for this time. Thank you for listening. What are your thoughts on data-driven investment and who should I talk next? Please let me know by sending an email to podcast at starwatcher.io. Till the next time.